Welcome to The Receptive Life. We're learning how to fight against the unholy trinity, to defend ourselves with the promises that come from the person and the work of Jesus, but also learning how to receive all of the gifts that can only come from the triune God. So we're in the first uh, day of the week, Monday, for the weekly practice. Uh, Let's call it Station 7, where we focus on uh, the commandments through the lens of love. What does love look like? What does love for God look like? What does love for uh, the neighbor look like? And so um, what we can do is use uh, these three different, um, let's call them um, tools, uses, uh, vehicles, ways to examine our life. Uh, we'll call it curb, mirror, uh, rule, and norm. So the curb, again, think of it as a fence line. What is to stay in and what are we not to go uh, you know, beyond? You know, don't trespass. Uh, mirror would be this idea of the spiritual diagnosis, right? Going again to the doctor and He's very objective. He looks at the tests. We look into the mirror of the law and uh, we um, examine our life through the lens of the Ten Commandments. And uh, the use of this uh, mirror is for us to understand our need for Christ, right? We cry out, Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. But a final use, another use of the law is uh, what does it look like to live the Christian life? Uh, what do Christian good works look like? Again, never good works to, in order to merit salvation or a relationship with God. We're saved by grace through faith in the good works of another, in the good works of Jesus. But Ephesians 2 uh, does say that these works were prepared for us in advance before the creation of the world. And so um, what, do, what do these good works look like? Uh, what is God inviting us into what type of life, new thoughts, new desires, new new motives. So as you look at the Ten Commandments, you'll find that you'll have your hands, hands full of good works. No need to invent uh, different ways to earn God's favor or to love him or to love the neighbor. It's all there, right there in the Ten Commandments. And again, always, this is the receptive life. So we receive the good works of Jesus first. Not our works, not performance, But after receiving those good works, after being made righteous, after him crucified, risen, living within us now, uh, because he lives within us now, we are new creations, new creatures doing new new things. So it's an invitation, right? A hand, a hands full of good, good works. The seventh commandment, uh, Luther says in his small catechism, in a clear, simple way, thou shalt not steal. Well, what does this mean? He writes, We should fear and love God that we may not take our neighbor's money or property, nor get them by false wear or dealing, but help him to improve and to protect his property and business. Again, you see within the commandment, not just a a prohibition, don't do this, but an invitation to live differently, right? Not to steal, not to take our neighbor's money or property, or get it by some smooth, false way but rather help him to improve and to protect his property and uh, his business. So there's, again, this elegant order of the commandments that uh, Martin Luther draws our attention to, starting with the family, then going to our physical body, right? And then the one closest to us, our spouse, um, and now dealing with our possessions, the gifts 
that God has given to us, our daily bread. So in the large catechism, Luther writes this. He says, after your person and spouse, temporal property comes next. That also God wishes to have protected, and he has commanded that no one shall subtract from or curtail his neighbor's possessions. For to steal is nothing else than to get possessions of another's property wrongfully, which briefly comprehends all kinds of advantage in all sorts of trade to the disadvantage of our neighbor. So think of the seventh commandment as uh, you taking advantage of another. Your advantage uh, over the disadvantage of the neighbor. So stealing and um, robbery and being a thief. I mean, in our mind, we kind of think of those things as someone who would break in or take something from you. Uh, taking advantage of you is really a broader understanding. Taking advantage of someone um, to their disadvantage. Now, You've heard these phrases. Maybe you've said them this way. You know, you're out shopping or, you know, you're looking at uh, maybe purchasing a car or a home and you get a really, in quotes, good deal. And you'll, you'll catch yourself saying, oh, such a steal. Or, you know, someone takes advantage of you and said that was highway robbery. Or, boy, you really drive a hard bargain. So in essence, stealing, being a thief, robbing is taking advantage of someone. Ephesians chapter 4, Paul says, Let him who stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, producing with his hands something that is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. So stealing is just not this idea of taking something from someone, but rather there is this um, invitation, this exhortation to help him keep, help him protect, help him increase in his property in business as well. So you look at that little uh, but in the, in the middle of that, uh, that explanation. We should fear, love God, that we may not take our neighbor's money or property, nor get them by false wear or dealing, but help him to improve and to protect his property and business. So th- as with these commandments, there's just not an, an act that is done, but there's also a failure to act. So not just taking from someone, but the failure, the failure to protect somebody else's property, to help them improve it, to have them increase in their possessions, not to take advantage of them. Now, the triune God, doesn't he see all uh, and doesn't he know all? And if he sees and knows, he also acts, doesn't he? And we have this promise that maybe there are some things out of our control. And we don't really know if if someone is taking advantage of us or not. And then we look back on it and say, uh, boy, you know, that just wasn't, that wasn't fair. That wasn't right. The triune God sees. The triune God knows. The triune God will act. Luther speaks of it this way. He says, and in short, if you steal much, Depend upon it that, again, as much will be stolen from you. And lie who robs and acquires with violence and wrong will submit to one who shall deal after the same fashion with him. For God is master of this art, that since everyone robs and steals from the other, he punishes one thief by means of another. So again, we commend it into into God's hands. So beware, right? So if you're dealing with somebody, deal fairly. And beware, when cheated, when cheated, if you cheat somebody or someone cheats you, when cheated, the helpless 
take it up with the triune God. And as Luther says, God has his way. He sees, he knows, he has his way of punishing one thief by bringing another thief uh, to him. So in this this commandment, there is the, the act and the failure to act, a don't and a do. So don't take your neighbor's goods, right, by false wear, by false dealing, but rather help him to improve and to protect. So we're going to, again, have our hands full of good works, right? No need to go looking and to invent some type of works that might be pleasing or helpful to the neighbor. We just look at the Ten Commandments and there our hands will be filled with invitations and with opportunities, not just prohibitions, right? Not just stop, but rather invitations to start. Again, the Seventh Commandment, thou shalt not steal, We should fear and love God that we may not take our neighbor's money or property, nor get them by false wear or dealing, but help him to improve and to protect his property and business, that his means are preserved and his condition is improved. And again, we always take heart, don't we? That uh, though the triune God is the perfect law giver, that Jesus, our brother, is the perfect law keeper. And as you, you know, hear and read in the Passion, there are the two criminals, two thieves uh, hanging next to Jesus. And the thief hears this good news of Jesus, you know, speaking to the crowd, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he dares to cry out, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today, today you'll be with me in paradise. The thief, the criminal, is not trusting in his own good works. In fact, he points to Jesus and says, he is an innocent man. We are guilty. We're getting what we deserve. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 5 speaks of this great gift, this great exchange. The one who knew no sin, he made to be sin on our behalf so that in him we might become the righteousness of God.